0: CBS Radio, a division of the Columbia Broadcasting System and its 217 affiliated stations, present the CBS Radio Workshop, radio's distinguished series dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. Well,
1: hello you know, again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I was delighted to hear that this episode of uh, CBS Radio Workshop was about record collecting, and record collecting was a huge thing back in this time frame of 1956, and it echoes to today, and it's a huge thing again, collecting vinyl records, uh, getting yourself a turntable and everything. My son bought me a turntable last year. And I'd gotten rid of my record collection over the years because of CDs and everything. And then uh, started to get back into it and just get really selective about what I pick up. Um, And some artists are just going crazy with the way they release CDs. I mean, Paul McCartney, (laughs) McCartney Three, his album he just released um, earlier this year, he released... (sighs) let's see of that first record i i think he released at least oh i don't know dozens of different variations of vinyl colors every color of the rainbow basically um being as a lot of collectors would like to buy more than one and have and some of them bought all of them uh, i just picked the one i wanted which was uh he had a white one that came out that was from the. The indie, went to the indie record stores. And that one has, uh, it's kind of a Willy Wonka thing with the five golden tickets. It's uh, got 10 different people out of the, I think there were 3,000 pressed or something. Uh, but 10 different people mixed in amongst all those are uh, a signature sheet of Paul McCartney and, uh, and congratulations for, for being one of the winners or, or whatever, of getting this special signed thing from Paul McCartney. Um, you have to open it to see if you've got it. And I haven't opened my copy yet. I'm, I listened to it on Spotify and everything. I love that. and um, It's a great album. Uh, but it's just one of those things of knowing, kind of like if you watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, how Charlie is anticipating, anticipate, <laughs> of opening uh, the chocolate bar to see if he's got the golden ticket is huge with him and with me it's like oh, if I open it and it's not there they'll be like oh yeah well I expect it as much but when you don't open it it's like okay that's, it could be one of the ones with the signature Paul McCartney and things not that that's the biggest thing in the world but just kind of fun uh, anyway uh, back at, at this time frame uh, they'd just gone from 78 records to uh, LPs and uh, Long playing Records, 33 and a third speed um, were starting to, to take over everything and uh, folks were picking up record players and trying to get high fidelity sound and things some great jazz music was coming out at this time and um, The big albums i've been listening to lately from 1956 are um i listened to uh chet baker uh he had a wonderful album called chet baker sings in 1956 and he has such a youthful sounding voice and gives a different interpretation to a lot of the classics and things the sinatra type songs and so forth that i think that's a really cool record to have and uh I don't. I I asked for the record on my wish list, so we'll see if folks folks do like that. I've gotten to vinyl because it gives them something to get me. You know, once you reach a certain age as as a guy, there's not that many things left to get you. So that's kind of cool that they do that. And then um, the other one is Elvis Presley's 1956 album is pretty amazing. It's uh, just a wonderful piece of, of work on his part and. Uh, probably my favorite album of his I think it's called Elvis 56 actually um, anyway uh, this is a light take on record collecting with um, of course our friend from over in Gunsmoke who plays Doc Howard McNeer, um, who is just a fun actor in so many parts and I love him in this too so I hope you'll enjoy it and we'll see you folks next time
2: who played the rhythmic bones on Nora Bay's 1919 recording of The Village Vamp?
0: Aristotle Fig. Any boob would know that.
3: CBS Radio, a division of the Columbia Broadcasting System, and its 217 affiliated stations present the CBS Radio Workshop, dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. Tonight we spin the hands of the clock backward into the fascinating past to bring you an unusual symposium of early American popular music, explored by the eminent Dr. Vincent Arbogast and Mr. Titus McFatridge, the record collectors. Our special guests will be the noted singer, Miss Margaret Whiting, composer-conductor, Mr. Lynn Murray, and a great voice from the past, Miss Margaret Young. And now here is our moderator, Mr. John Daner. Good evening.
2: Some people collect stamps, seashells, or old coins. Others collect paintings, butterflies, or match covers. With us tonight are two gentlemen who collect old records. They are Dr. Vincent Arbogast and Mr. Titus McFatridge. To take them in alphabetical order, let's hear first from Dr. Arbogast. Good evening, sir.
0: Good evening, Mr. Dana, and friends out there in Radioland. And Mrs. Tessie Dorblin in La Jolla.
2: Before we get to our records, I'd like to talk about what you two gentlemen do. I mean in the field of commerce, as opposed to your hobby. Dr. Arbogast, you are a breeder of giant frogs, right? Yes, Mother and I have a
4: frog farm at Costa Mesa. Dr. Arbogast, are you a real doctor? Well, let me answer your question with a question, Mr. Dana. Are frogs entitled to medical services?
2: If they're sick.
4: You would deny them medical service if they were well?
2: No, no, I didn't say that, doctor. All I asked you was, are you a medical doctor? No. Um, I see.
4: One day several years ago, a mutinous assistant at the farm challenged one of my frog-feeding formulae. I told him, that formula or pack your duds. An ultimatum. Pack your duds. He simpered.
2: You're the doctor. The weasel. That's how you became Dr. Vincent Arbogast. Yes. Now, Mr. McFatridge, you, I believe, are engaged in the field of teratology,
4: right? Roger. Roger? Uh, Titus heard an aeronautist use that as a form of agreement. Oh. Well, what is
2: teratology,
0: Mr. McFatridge? The science of creating monsters. Monsters? I made a dilly for a Christmas parade in Muncie, Indiana... Or a department store? What kind of monster was it, specifically, I mean? Well, sir, I took the body of a crocodile, Mm -hmm. the head of the bearded yak, Mm -hmm. and the wings of the condor. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I felt I had something here that would frighten any child. At a Christmas parade, is that what you wanted? Yes, yes, yes. Did it work? No. Uh, There were no children to frighten. They had all fled in terror from the first exhibit in the parade, A Monster Five Floats Ahead. What was that? Well, sir, it was a man-like thing stuffed into a flaming red suit with a raging white beard. As it lashed its reindeer, it waved ferociously in all directions, shouting threats at the crowd. The children left. Now, as I understand it, you two gentlemen plan to present
2: tonight your views on American popular music. Mm -hmm. So, may we have
0: your first recording, please? It is the hit tune of 1923, Toot, Toot, Tootsie. It is sang by that very popular duo of vaudeville and records, Billy Murray and Ed Smalley. And note the realistic train whistle interpolated into the rendition.
5: Yesterday I heard a Time. Time. Goodbye. Goodbye. He said goodbye. Oh, me, oh, my. Oh, me, oh, my oh. Seven times he got aboard his, train. aboard his train. And seven times he hurried back to kiss his love again and tell and her, to, her choo-choo choo-choo to see, goodbye. Too, too, see, don't cry. Please don't cry, little, too, see. The choo, choo train that takes. Away from you No word can tell How sad it makes me Kiss me to see And then Do it over again Kiss me again see Watch for the mail I promise I'll never fail You know if you don't get a letter Then you'll know I'm in jail To, 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 to see, don't cry To, 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 to see, goodbye
2: Tut toot, tut toot, tootsie, the 1923 hit sung by Billy Murray and Ed Smalley.
4: They don't make records like that these days, Mr. Dinner. Mm-hmm.
2: Dr. Arbogast, how long have you been collecting records?
4: Uh, 30 years, four months, approximately.
2: And how many do you have, approximately?
4: Really, I wouldn't venture to say. I measure my collection by values far removed from consideration of mere number. Oh, let the banker count his money, let the farmer weigh his crops... But upon what adding machine, upon what scales can a collector measure the value of his treasure?
2: Well, Dr. Arbogast, how do you measure the value of the records in your collection?
4: I realized that everybody was collecting the records of artists who were so good that the public didn't appreciate them. But nobody was saving the records of the singers and musicians who were popular in their day. I determined to remedy that deplorable situation. How? I set out to acquire records that once sold by the millions the records the general public paid its money for.
2: Well, now, do I understand you to say that there are no really
4: great artists in your collection? Not at all. Mm -hmm. It occasionally happens that a truly fine artist is acclaimed by the public as well as by the critics. In such a case, I would not let an artist's superior talent bar him from a place in my collection.
2: I see. Now let's hear from our other collector, Mr. Titus
0: McThatteridge. The records in my collection, if laid side by side, would cover two-thirds of the space of a basketball court. That's very interesting.
2: How many records does that make?
0: I really haven't the slightest idea. I share Dr. Arbogast's views on the stupidity of counting the items in one's collection.
2: But how how did you arrive at the figure of how much of a basketball court your records would cover
0: if you don't know how many you have? Empirically and incidentally. Ah, uh uh-huh. At uh, one time, I resided at the YMCA at Muncie, Indiana. I needed to catalog and sort out my records. Since my room was small, the secretary of the YMCA, Stanley Proctor by name, kindly gave me permission to spread out my records in the gym while the fellows on the team were in the showers. I noted that my records took up two-thirds of the basketball court. Now... Those wishing to know exactly the number of records might write to the Muncie, Indiana, YMCA for the dimensions of the court and, by the aid of simple arithmetic, compute the number of records I had at that time. Stanley Proctor, however, is uh, no longer there. He was, I believe, transferred to Terre Haute in 1932. Well, it doesn't matter, Mr. uh, Fort Wayne, not uh, Terre Haute, pardon me.
2: (laughs) Now, gentlemen, we move on to our first guest. Mr. Lynn Murray is a distinguished conductor in the field of popular music. His background might best be summed up by referring to his work on the hit parade with the excellent Lynn Murray choristers. For many years, Mr. Murray has brought Americans live, vibrant interpretations of their most popular ballads. Mr. Murray, it's a pleasure and privilege to have you here and to introduce you to my two colleagues... Dr. Arbogast and Mr. McFattery. <clears throat> <clears throat> how,
4: how, how old are you? Well, now, Dr. Arbogast, it's not necessary to... A man's age is very necessary. But... but I wh- have no objections to giving my age. Well, see, by the way,
0: did you say Billy Murray? Uh, Lynn, L-Y-N. I was born in 1909. Oh. Well, that makes you uh, 46.
2: Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. I've just invited Mr. Murray to play his latest disc...
4: Disc, Mr. Daner? <laughs> I didn't realize Mr. Murray was a member of the Olympic team.
2: <laughs> no, disc, gentlemen. Platter. Wax. Recording. No
4: wonder these modern musicologists can't produce decent renditions. They don't even agree what to call them.
2: <laughs> gentlemen, please. Courtesy, at least. Now, Mr. Murray, would you give us the title of your latest record?
4: It's called He's Got Time. And the members of the cast are Jane Russell, Connie Haynes, and Beryl Davis. Never heard of them. Of course not. Let's
2: listen to Mr. Murray's record.
5: He's got time He's got time You may not walk his way His rainbow didn't get that bright overnight His roses didn't get to flower in an hour His heaven didn't get that blue in a minute or two So he's got time and he can't wait for you Little birdies how to tweet Takes a week To teach his ivy how to climb Takes some time And teaching sinners how to pray Keeps him busy all day But he's got time And he can't wait For you He's got time Took him time, took him time To make a shine he the got you may not walk well today, but he's, he's to got make a a of spring. Because his he's rainbow didn't above. get that bright overnight. He his roses didn't, didn't get that flower love. in an hour. His he's heaven didn't divine. get that blue in a minute or two. So he's, he's got time and he can wait for you.
0: Well, gentlemen, Mr. Lynn Murray's latest recording. It's a pity to put those unsullied young ladies at such a disadvantage. Recording under this uh, electronic hodgepodge, where is the surface noise? Where are those lived with sounds? Well, gentlemen, perhaps now the
4: public can hear the
2: music. Isn't that the general idea, Mr. Murray?
4: Yes, it is. Uh, We're constantly striving for better forms of reproduction, you know. Today,
0: thanks to high fidelity... High (laughs) fidelity? Music for dogs. I read just the other day of a basset hound who, upon hearing a rendition of the funeral march on his master's high fidelity set... Went out and cut his throat. A crime against society. These people should be reported to the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. That equipment... Electrical equipment,
4: blaring out noises all over the land. Soon we shall have a nation of deafened canines. Man's best friend. (laughs) But, gentlemen, what did you think of Mr. Murray's record? Uh, Sir, this is an electric recording, is it not? Yes, Vincent. It isn't Mr. Murray's fault that the power is in the control room, you know. Well, Dr. Arbogast, are you referring to what I understand uh, was the acoustical or mechanical method? The time-honored method, where the artist played or sang into the horn, and his true vibrations were directly stenciled onto the wax mother. But that's one of the most primitive... Primitive? Has anyone improved on the wheel?
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Murray, for being with us and for bringing along your latest EP recording. <laughs> He's got time. E- EP, Mr. Dennis? EP? That means extended play, gentlemen. Surely you realize
0: records come in various sizes and speeds. Aha,
4: uh-huh. oh, yes, now we're at the heart of the matter. There
0: is only <laughs> one size, Mr. Daner, one speed. Yes, yeah.
4: 78 uh-huh. revolutions per minute, 10 inches in diameter. Although I have heard there is a small group of malcontents who are considering using 12-inch records. Nothing will ever come of it,
2: nothing. Uh, thank you, Mr. Murray, for being our guest.
4: It was a pleasure, Mr. Dana. Good night gentlemen. (laughs) Good night, Mr. Merrick. Good night, Mr. Murphy.
2: Dr. Arbogast, you have a record, I believe.
4: This record dates back 33 years to 19 and 19. It features one of the most popular feminine singers of that blessed era, the incomparable Miss Nora Bailey. Nora Bates. Very
2: great artist. She introduced Shine On, Harvest Moon, didn't
4: she? Yes, but this record uh, at the time was a very topical number, dealing with the influence of the flickers upon everyday life. Uh, The flicker motion pictures. Yes,
2: yes, yes, sir. Well, many
4: movies in that early day had a wicked woman of the world who had designs upon the noble hero. Now, these women were called vamps. Among them were, wait, well, let me see, Theda Barra. Theda
0: Naldi, Jetta Goodall... Never
4: belabor a poet, Mr. McFadden. This record is entitled The Village Vamp and shows the effect of this type of movie upon a simple country girl. The Village Vamp, as sung by Miss Nora Bayes.
5: Have you heard about Miss Sally Green? Sally Green, Sally Green, that home she was called the village queen? Alleyne was sweet She took one trip to the city Came back home Oh, what a pity Now the folks call her The
0: village vamp She's a vamp She wears high-heeled shoes And fancy holes. She's a vamp, she's a vamp Face
4: her face Sally, look what Broadway did to Sally! Everywhere she goes, the rules all day. Hey, there goes the van.
2: Now, Mr. McFatridge, do you have any special information about this
0: record we just played? Well, sir, Aristotle Figg was to have played the Rhythmic Bones on that record date. Was to have? They wrote him out at the last minute. Oh, it's too bad. Well, Figg never wanted to play the Bones anyway. Uh, he was a bass drumist at heart, played in the village band uh, back in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. The bandmaster hated his superior talent and was always trying to find a way to get rid of him. Did he find a way? Please.
2: Oh, I think
0: Aristotle Figg's son, Bonafide, dabbled in amateur chemistry. A wretched child, he also chewed bubble gum incessantly. At the Sunday school picnic, he uh, turned up chewing and carrying some of his chemicals in a vacuum flask. He was drinking this mixture in between blowing gum bubbles and listening to the band. The band was there, sir. Mm, uh, Young Figg didn't know it, but the chemicals he had mixed and was sampling were in just the correct proportions to form helium gas. He blew one monstrous bubble. What happened? He took off. There he was, hovering aloft. But did he just float around aimlessly up there? No. Uh, they uh, shot him down over the bandstand. Oh. The minister, fortunately, had his slingshot with him. Was the boy hurt? No. He landed on his father's bass drum. <laughs> Pretty lucky, huh? On you? the contrary, Mr. Daner. The elder fig was counting out an 18-bar rest, uh, three bars before F in the Poet and Peasant, when boom ti boom landed his son. For that interruption, the bandmaster fired Aristotle Figg, who uh, then developed his talent for the rhythmic bones and entered the popular music field.
2: Now, gentlemen, it's time to listen to the listener. And the letter box is open. I have one here from the south, Tampa, Florida, to be exact. A Mrs. J.R.W. She wants to know if it's true that a canary was once a featured soloist on an acoustical recording. Yes,
0: of course. Mm, vocalion B Ought One Four Seven, starring the feathered songster Miss Lady Bird, formerly with the Ishpeming Mining Company, rescued from the mines by an alert Welsh bird lover. The success of this record awakened the public to the plight of the unfortunate canary used against its will to test the air for poisonous gas.
4: Thus was founded in Sundown, Indiana, the S.F.T.P.O.U.C.I.M.S., the Society for the Prevention of the Use of Canaries
0: in Mine Shafts. I see. Meetings were held. Never let them take another canary down a mine shaft to test the purity of the air was the battle cry. They had, as a symbol of their crusade, a canary in a cage uh, on a table on stage. After all... If it had been intended for birds to be under the damp ground, birds would have been born there. But birds are not born under the ground. But then miners were not... Spread their wings, said Russell John, Uh, and give the canary the air. His audience loved his hatred of humans.
4: They just sat and puffed orgiastically on their pipes and cigars in high ecstasy. They'd be there today, I think, if that young ruffian hadn't been there.
0: Emma Shakespeare's son. He had an elastic band and a paperclip and a deadly aim. He shot the paperclip at the little canary on stage. Oh, so that was quite a mean act. The bird was already unconscious
4: as a result of all the cigar smoke in place.
0: The paperclip lodged in the bird's bill, startling him so that he bent the little bars of his cage and exit. Still half asleep, the bird didn't know where he was. He flew around the room, shaking his bill to get rid of the paperclip. When he finally did shake it loose, It fell into one of the chandelier's empty sockets. What
4: happened? A short circuit. The place burned to the ground, and the people there were incensed what they felt was an ungrateful canary. A wave of anti-canary feelings swept the town, destroying the society forever.
2: Well, we can file Mrs. J.R.W.'s letter as answered. Now, gentlemen, I understand your next record is a rare
4: one. Indeed it is, Mr. Dinner. It was recorded in... 19 and 22. And it features that beautiful and talented vaudeville headliner, Miss Margaret Young.
0: Margaret. Uh, uh,
4: Careful, titles. Its title is Way Down Yonder in New Orleans. (laughs)
2: Way down Yonder in New Orleans, featuring Miss Margaret Young. Now, gentlemen, I have a surprise for you. We have as our special guest this evening... none other than Miss Margaret Young. Oh! oh
4: bravo. bravo! Thank you, boys. <laughs> uh, Maggie, we've been admirers of yours for many, many years. They just don't make records like that anymore.
5: <laughs> they certainly don't.
4: Youngsters today have no appreciation for basic values... Uh, Maggie, how many copies of that recording were sold?
5: Oh, over a million.
4: There, you see. Mm
5: -hmm. But listen, I didn't come here to play my record. I came to introduce you to my niece. She's the singing star of our family now, and I -hmm. thought you'd like Mm -hmm. to meet her and hear one of her records.
4: Mm -hmm. (coughs) Well, if you insist.
5: Uh, Boys, just meet my talented niece, whose name is also Maggie. How do you do? How do you do?
0: What's your last name, young lady?
5: My full name is Margaret Whiting. Whiting? A
4: whiting is a fish. <laughs> Will you walk a little faster? Said the whiting to the snail? Mm-hmm. Lewis Carroll, Alison
0: Wonderland. Uh, The <laughs> Reverend William Dodson, nom de plume, Lewis Carroll. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you, Titus. Gentlemen, I
2: should think that you would be quite honoured to have as your guest tonight one of America's most popular singers. Margaret Whiting is known from coast to coast. Her records have sold by the millions. Name one. Well, there's Come Rain or Come Shine. That one alone sold over a million copies.
0: And would you rank such a song in the same class with Out of a City of 10,000 People, Why Did You Pick on Me? Oh, that was lovely. Yes, it was. But I remember it well. That song sold over a million copies, Mr. Daner.
5: Well, gentlemen, that was a little before my time. After all... she's
0: right, Titus. She couldn't be expected to remember the classics. She's still young. And we must keep in mind, after all, she is... Maggie Young's niece.
4: Yes, that's a good point. Yes, young lady, we've decided to listen to your record, Mm -hmm. regardless of our personal feelings in the matter.
5: Well, thank you, gentlemen. The name of my record is I've Told Every Little Star. star, just how sweet I think you are, why haven't I told you, I've told ripples in a brook, made my heart an open book, why haven't I told you. ask me, am I in love? I always answer yes. Might as well confess if I don't they guess. Maybe you may know it too. Oh, my darling ask me, am I in love? I always answer yes. Might as well confess if I don't they guess. Maybe you may know it too. Oh, my darling, if you do, why haven't you Told me.
2: I've told every little star by our guest, Miss Margaret Whiting. Well, gentlemen, what did you think, <coughs>
4: uh, <coughs> gentlemen? Well, perhaps you could uh, tell us something about the record, Miss Whiting.
5: Well, I'd be delighted. See, it's from a recent LP album I recorded for Cat. LP?
0: First it's EP, now it's LP. One must need a code book just to talk to you people.
5: LP means long playing, approximately 20 minutes on each side of the record.
0: (laughs) Perhaps for people with long ears, huh, Vincent? (laughs) 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 Oh, that's very good. Oh, that's very good. Uh, Gentlemen, of course, Margaret Whiting... A Whiting can't hold a candle to a sardine. Indeed not. I recall one dinner back in 1907, Vincent, in uh, Kansas City. Uh, Miss Whiting, we appreciate your dropping by.
5: (laughs) Well, the pleasure was all mine. Good night, Dr. Arbogast, Mr. McFatrick. The
0: oysters were perfectly dreadful, but the sardines... mm, I I recall a young man I met that evening. Gentlemen, gentlemen, we are discussing recordings.
4: Oh, Oh, yes, of course. Well, the last recording was way down yonder in New Orleans.
2: Well... No, we just played her nieces, Margaret.
0: Way down yonder in New Orleans. Most unusual. Most unusual.
2: Will you have some information
4: on that record?
0: Yes. Uh, Paysag Gaskell, I think, played clarinet on that one. Uh, do you mind, Paysag, Vincent? Oh,
4: yes, I mind mean, Paysag Gaskell well. Good clarinetist. He was a channel swimmer, too. A channel swimmer? <laughs> the
0: best. There was a champion. Paysag never used grease. He used to flex his little muscles and say proudly... What's good enough for the blue whale is good enough for me.
4: Ah. Uh, well,
0: gentlemen, our time is up. Pesach Gaskell
4: was an excellent channel swimmer, and at the drop of a towel, he would plunge into empty water that even resembled a channel.
0: He was once compared favorably with the lemming. Well, that's it,
2: gentlemen. Our time is up. Yeah. Now say goodnight to our listeners. Good night,
4: friends, out there in Radio
0: Land. And Mrs. Carrie Moomaw in the Needles Public Library. <laughs>
2: By the magic of electronic recording, we have brought you the views of two men, Dr. Vincent Arbogast and Mr. Titus McFatridge, the record collectors. Their guests were Mr. Lynn Murray, noted composer and conductor, the popular singing star, Miss Margaret Whiting, and Miss Maggie Young. This is John Daner saying good night.
3: The CBS Radio Workshop is produced and directed in Hollywood by William Frug. The Record Collectors was written by William Woodson, Lou Houston, and Larry Thor. Howard McNear was Dr. Arbogast, and Lou Houston was Mr. McFatridge. The moderator was John Daner. Next week, a new and unusual musical presentation, an original one-act opera for radio composed and conducted by David Brookman, based on the first war between the states, the story of the battle between Michigan and Ohio over the city of Toledo, told in music and presented on the CBS Radio Workshop.
5: Some letters type it through, a
1: photograph or two, I see a rose from you among my souvenirs. A few more tokens rest within my treasure chest,
5: and though they do their best to give a consolation, I count them all apart, and as the teardrops start, I find a broken heart among my souvenirs. ¶¶ Thank <laughs> you.